Brother Charles O'Kelly will bring us a morning exhortation, and the scripture reading will be John, First John, the fourth chapter, verses one through eight. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard, that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Thank you. Attention to the words of Brother Charles on the subject of love. Good morning, brothers and sisters, friends of the school. The subject that I have chosen this morning God is love, based principally upon the eighth verse of the reading just read. Possibly I'm going to uh, say more about what love is not than what love is. But I hope that we can see the point that I'm trying to bring out before I'm finished. Love is the popular four-letter word of our society at this time, mostly misapplied in every phase, both misused and misunderstood. It's applied to physical attraction, attraction to objects, People have spoken of the falling in and out of love. And much immorality is committed in the name of love. And these are all gross misapplications of the word. But there is one misapplication of the word love that I feel is more important to those of the household. And that is when the word love is used in place of the word tolerance. And that is the theme of many of the churches as they use the word love. 
tolerate is used in the dictionary means to allow without active opposition. To allow without active opposition. Overlook all things and people for the good of our society. To let no set rules, doctrines, and so forth separate groups. To put no pressure on anyone to comply to the law, either of God or of the land, either moral, civil, or scripture. But let every man do his thing, as we so often hear. Now this misuse and misapplication of the word is not confined to the world. I think there's many of us, at least, are aware that this misapplication is very much in the household. How many times have we heard something similar to this? Oh, we can't offend this brother or this sister. We can't cast a stumbling block in their way. We must love Brother Jones or Sister Smith, even if they are doing wrong. And it's all very true and rightly applied. This love of Brother Jones, Sister Smith, is very important. It's the life blood of the ecclesia and of the body. But is love standing idly by to watch them do something that will endanger either their salvation or the salvation and welfare of the ecclesia? And this can be either a very personal thing, or it can be something along the scripture line. This is the way of the world. This is tolerant, to stand idly by and let these things happen. Now referring to 1 John 4 and 8, we find these words that God is love. In Exodus 34 chapter, the 6th through the 7th verse, we find Yahweh describing himself. So if this God, spoken of by John, whom we know to be Yahweh, is love, then the description that he gives of himself in Exodus would be love as well. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children and upon the children's children, and to the third and to the fourth generation. Now do we see in this description of God who is love the mention of tolerance or an implication of tolerance with standing by and without any active opposition to wrongdoing? On the other hand, we see that it says he will not clear the guilty. He will not clear the guilty, but will visit their iniquity upon the third and the fourth generation. 
So even though love encompasses mercy and long suffering and most tired things, it does not overlook evil. God in his love gives just recompense for our deeds, whether they are good or whether they are evil. God's mercy and forgiveness hinges upon repentance, upon turning away from wrongdoing. And nowhere in the scriptures do we find that God will tolerate the wicked and let them go unopposed. And to the best of my knowledge, in the study that I made of this, I could not find either the word tolerate or the noun tolerance in the scripture, according to the Young's Concordance. I feel this word guilty is inserted into these verses in Exodus to complete the thought that those who continue in their guilt, those who do not repent, are the ones that will receive the punishment to the third and fourth generation. Christ brought very vividly to our attention the necessity of love. In Matthew 22, 37-38, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Our love of God is the most important thing in our lives. God is to be the recipient, the first recipient, the principal recipient of our love, leaving no room in our lives for the fulfilling of fleshly desires. This, of course, is part of the sacrifice itself that the scriptures tell us is to be part of our lives. Now, God being immortal and invisible, how do we show Him our love in our weak and mortal way? Second John 6 says, And this is love that we walk after His commandments. That is the way that we show God our love for Him. We show by this that we recognize that He is the source of all good. And we show a desire to reflect that goodness in ourselves by obedience to His command. And though in our weak and mortal way we can never hope to achieve to any great height in our manifestation of this love. He is merciful and forgiving to all those who are trying. And in turn, we who try will receive the mercy and love of God. John 14 and 21. 
He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now let's rehearse this, and what do we get? We get from this thought that those who do not love the commandments, who do not do the commandments of God and of Christ, will not receive the love of God and Christ in return. So we have both aspects in this verse, one plainly stated and the other very much implied. Those that do the commandments of God and of Christ will receive his love. Those who do not will not receive it. In the 23rd and 24th verses of this same 14th chapter of John, Jesus continues on. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my things. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So we find both the words of Christ and the words of God saying the same thing. They were both given to us to be obeyed. They both require the same responsibility on our part because they are one in every aspect. Jesus in John 17, 7 and 16 says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now there's an interesting thing about this word doctrine here, which, from my limited understanding of the uh, Greek word here, from what I could get from Young's concordance, this word doctrine comes from the Greek word didache, I would say, D-I-D-A-C-H-E, signifying not only the words of Christ, but his very actions, his whole way of life, not just his teachings and words, but his examples and deeds that he did. So his whole way of life here is the doctrine. And as we notice in the verse just read, that this doctrine was not only his, but God. So Christ's whole life was the manifestation of God and the way that we should try to conduct ourselves in our lives. The fulfillment of the first commandment that we read shortly before will automatically bring about the obedience to the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we give ourselves completely in our love to God, we will automatically fulfill the second part of the commandment, or the second greatest commandment, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because this is part of the obedience to the doctrines and commandments of God. There are many ways that God shows his love to man through the daily sustenance that he has blessed us with. 
through his great word by which he has revealed himself to us and allowed us to know him. By providing his son for a covering for sin, thereby making us eligible to even approach to God and to love him. There's another aspect of God's love that I feel is very important. And again, it is an aspect of his love that we have to reflect in our lives. This is one part of God that we have to understand and also to obey. And that is, how does God react toward us when we sin? If he is tolerant, and again I want to express the meaning of this word, is to uh, stand by without active opposition. So if God is standing by without active opposition to our sin, there is no meaning to the verse that I'm about to read in Hebrews 12 and 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 states principally the same thing. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. His love here, we notice, is expressed by the correction that he gives, by the chastening that he gives. Job says in the 5th chapter and the 17th verse, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrected. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Again I ask, does this speak of tolerance on God's part? Does he stand idly by as we sin and make our mistakes? Would it be love if he did this? If he allowed us to go headlong into things, that in the end, he knew he would have to condemn us for. Would it be love on our part if we allowed our children to do things that we knew would be harmful to them? If we stood idly by and let them participate in something or even reach out and touch something hot, grab an electric wire, or any of those things that might take their life. Well, that is the way that God shows his love toward us in the way of correction. And it's the way that we should show our love toward our fellow man, our brothers and sisters, sensitive, by trying to correct if we see something being done that is wrong. But the popular concept of love is just the opposite of this, that we should not oppose, but give everyone the freedom to do as they wish. But again, this is not love. This is tolerance. 
Among God's laws, we find there are both many of both spiritual and physical benefits here. And in breaking the laws of the physical type, we have certain systems in our body that warn us when we are allowing our body to undergo some uh, test or something that is not good for them. Maybe we are eating or drinking something that does not agree with our system. We have certain things in our body that warn us. It should catch our attention that something wrong is happening. And if we fail to correct this thing at that time, we will receive further warnings, more severe, in the past. And if we continue on in blindness or in uh, the desire not to correct these things, our system will become beyond repair. Many times fatal because of our, our not heeding these warnings that come. And the same thing holds true in regard to the spirit. When we break the laws of God, we warn them in various ways. And the failure to heed these warnings brings more stringent warnings to us. Many ways God extends his correction, his warning to us through his word. Why do we fail? Why do we fail to see the warning that the spiritual system sends out? One, I feel, is the ignorance of Scripture. Another could be the love of the world. And another is self-righteousness on our own part. Blindness to our own weak and mortal ways. Our chief contact, of course, with God is His Word. And either the lack of use on our part or the misuse on our part can be fatal. The word spoken concerning Israel by Hosea in the fourth chapter in the sixth verse. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because I have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Israel had many warnings, many corrections from God, but they rejected. They had failed to heed them, and then came the end of their nation. Christ says in Matthew 24 and 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That happened to Israel. It happened to us. This was not limited to the first century or to Christ's day. Because I think that 
today we see the greatest concentration of this evil time that's ever been in the history of the earth. The abounding of iniquity in our days is surpassing anything that had ever been before. And yet, the love of many is waxing cold. Many in the household are willing to stand by and to see the worldly practice, the worldly doctrine, come into the household unopposed. This tolerance on our part is in opposition to the love of God and not for that. And this lack of obedience, along with the pull of the flesh, brings a separation from God. Joshua 24, 19 through 20. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. They have received the blessings of God, the greatest of any nation, and yet they had turned to serve the strange gods of the world around them. And Joshua warned them that God would turn on them and consume them. And can we who bear the name of Christ expect anything different? Can we expect anything better if we turn to serve other gods? Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? This is a comfort to know that God is unchanging. But it's also a fearful thing to know. Because in his unchanging way, he will be as severe with disobedience as he will be merciful and loving toward obedience. We have seen how God shows his love in many ways and how he expects us to show ours. And part of this showing of the love that we have for our brothers is brought out, I feel, in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel, the 7th through the 9th verses. And I think this applies today same as it applied in Ezekiel's time. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not seek to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn his way, he shall die in his iniquity, 
but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now the Apostle Paul seemed to have had this in mind when he wrote the words of Acts 20, 26 through 28. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Now why was he pure from the blood of all men, or unspotted by the blood of any one of For I have not come to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to see the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And here is a responsibility on the part of each of us, because each of us is an overseer over a portion of the flock and household of God. Because our overseeing starts with our own self. We have to check out our own self. And we have to extend the love of God within ourselves before we can extend it to a brother or to a sister or to a stranger or anyone else. And just as we will have to answer for what we tolerate within ourselves, what we stand idly by and let ourselves do, and this is the case very often, that we do not try to oppose our own selves, we also will have to answer for what we tolerate within the body. The love required by God does not allow us to stand idly by whether we are dealing either with ourselves or pleasing or the body as a whole and allow it to become leavened with the influences of the world. We are to warn constantly and to oppose this creeping in of the practices and doctrines of the world. And without this opposition on our part, human nature being what it is, we would all turn from the love upon loving God. Even feeble as our love may be, it would soon cease to exist at all. We would not keep this commandment. And hence, according to the scripture that we've read this morning, he would not and could not love us because we fail to keep his commandments. And we would be without God, and therefore the world itself would be without true love because God is love. Thank you.